What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kind of Funny Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. I finally figured out why you hold pens all the time, Greg. They're fun to play with. It makes you look smarter. Oh, that's 100% correct. And then you can yeah. spin them like this, too. People always like when I spin pens in my hands. You know what I mean? Oh, you they do, do this. Like, cool. Do you ever do the drummer thing? No, I can't like twirl it without touching it. No, that's some Tommy Lee right there. Nick, it does me so well to be here. I haven't been on the Kind of Funny podcast with you in a long time to the point that yesterday when we did in review for I Am Groot, you and I kind of just hijacked it and made it a Kind of Funny mm. podcast. And let me tell you, Tim, Tim outwardly might seem like he hates when that happens. He's Forbes 30 under 30, a.k.a. the second best baby blues in San Francisco, a.k.a. the verified one at Tim Gettys. I love that, that Nick is right. There is no but to that. The statement <laughs> just ends there. That is it's, the end know, all be all. I've never met somebody mm-hmm. more Tim, of a fucking, fucking asshole tell than Tim Gettys, <laughs> Nick. Tell him, Tim gives us a blank canvas, and he's like, I don't fucking know, guys. I every day I think of hanging this up and going to work in, you know, sanitation the and the restaurant business. And mm-hmm. the, you and me sit there and we create art. And then every time he tries to get in the way, like, don't create art that way. Yeah. Do it it's this way. It's probably because we create art like the Joker did in 89, where he was creating <laughs> art the wrong way. And it's very destructive. <laughs> but that was such a good moment. You know what a I mean? Great moment. You know, but it's that, you know. Tim Gettys gets one comicbook.com article written about him, and I got to uh-huh. hear about the rest of my life over uh-huh. here. The soothsayer of video games. Is that, do we, need to, do we need to have a poll right now we put up on the internet to, to change Tim's moniker from the second best baby blues or the pure one or the Forbes 30 under 30 to comicbook.com or whatever the fuck? It took all the brain capacity. I had to remember all the stupid nicknames we came up with for each other. There. And I have to do it so easily every day. Uh, speaking of the nicknames we come up for each other, we are joined today by a very, very special young man. He, of course, is the infallible one at Gary Witta. I, I appreciate you remembering the infallible thing. It means a lot to me. Thank you. I would never forget, Gary. But now you're also the gun dog creator. Gun dog. Yes, that gun too. Dog, Infallible first dog. and always, but yes. That okay, too. sure, sure, sure. Well, you, you know, there's always so much to promote for you. I'm never, never sure. How are you, Gary? You've been on a kind of funny podcast in a bit. No, in fact, the last time I spoke to you, um, not just on the podcast, but I think in any context live uh, on a show was uh, prior to your ascension uh, into the WWE hierarchy and you taking on this whole other legendary form that you've now adopted. Yes, yes, that's true. I did that. You and I have both ascended. We're leaving these two behind. Well, I guess not comicbook.com's Tim Gettys, but thank you. Know. Thank you. Thank you. No, Gary says he hasn't been here in a while. That is such a lie. He was here like a month ago promoting his other project, the well, Batman I, I, 40. I, I was. Gary's I was. out here on these streets, man, just making these deals, making art happen. He's just Listen, like, oh, you know, well, what's tell, next for you, Gary? As much as I am a, a shameless self promoter, I was a little bit worried when I came on to talk about Batman a, a month or so ago because I was like, I, I'm going to ask to come back again. To promote this other thing, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to like you know cash in too many kind of funny friendships to uh, to promote my own my own stuff. I'm merely making the point that the last time I saw Greg on kind of funny was prior to his his new WWE um, form, mm-hmm. which is a very impressive form, I must say. It's quite, Here's it's how you know it's impressive: if Gary Witta will send you a congratulatory text message mm-hmm. and not talk shit in it, something. you know you know he that that's something. a big deal. And Gary did mm-hmm. that to me, and that meant a lot to me, Gary. Yeah. Thank you for that. No, I was, I was genuinely happy to to, to see to see it happen. It's, it's a wonderful thing. I know, like you know, 
I've, I've seen those videos of you kind of jumping off, you know, your roof when you're like eight years old or whatever, <laughs> doing all your stupid backyard shit. And, you know, for, for I know, I know how much that, that wrestling world means to you for you to, to so if you, in the same way that, yeah, you know, I grew up on Star Wars, right? So to be a part sure. of it was a dream come true. I feel like this is that for you. And I'm, I'm thrilled for you. You have Star Wars. I have WWE. Tim has comicbook.com. Uh-huh. Nick, do you think you'll ever achieve any of your dreams before you die? I choose not to. I choose not to. <laughs> I choose not to run, he says. Yeah, yeah I choose not to. Uh, you know, there's got to be a couple of us just keeping it real and holding it down. And sure. that's who I am. I'm the common man, right? You I'm the, the everyday guy. Man. You yeah. guys are going out there trying to be friends with The Rock, trying to be friends with all these cool people. Not me. Not mm-hmm. me. I'm down in the, I'm down in the muck in the, in the Patreon chat. I'm, I, I'm there with all those people. I'm in the chat every day, all day long. And, uh, you know, there's got to be someone who's, uh, upon whose back this entire company can be built. And that's you. All I accept. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Kind of Funny Podcast each and every week. Four, sometimes five. Best friends gather on this table. Each coming to hang out with each other and hang out and talk about whatever they want to talk about. If you want to hang out and talk about things with us, it's super simple. Go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny. Over on patreon.com slash kindoffunny. You can write it with your topics, your questions, your comments, your concerns. You could be watching us record the show live just like Omega Buster is. Jake Step is in. Madeline Stanley are commenting, being a part there. Everybody's freaking out. They're, right, they're calling you Nick the Trog King right now, says Melissa Haggard. Haggard. Uh, it, again, as a Trog, I cannot accept nor deny that. So I, can, I will be your king, but I also will not be your king. Uh, Nick, uh, Jake calls you Nick Trog Pino. My dog Nick96 says Nick the Toilet Trog. There's a lot of good mm. nicknames going on there for you That's right really now. Good. I'm glad about this. A lot Inspired. of creativity. You can have all that fun on Patreon.com slash kindoffunny. And stick around for the post show we do exclusively over there. And get the show ad-free, but... If you had no bucks to toss our way, it's no big deal. Of course, you could support us for free on that Epic Game Store using the creator code KINDAFUNNY. That's right. If you're buying anything on the Epic Game Store, we get a couple bucks. But even if you use that code when you're playing Fortnite on your PlayStation 5 or Rocket League on your Switch, we would also get a few bucks and not cost you anything. It's pretty great. Uh, if you want to go that extra mile and watch the show free, YouTube.com slash KINDAFUNNY, RoosterTeeth.com, and podcast services around the globe each and every week for a brand making new episode that has ads no post showing you can't talk live to us but you still have a good time housekeeping for you uh, as i mentioned earlier uh, our mcu in review i am groot episode is up you might say it's five shorts can they really talk that long about it oh we can do mm-hmm. we go on some diatribes that get tim really angry again mm-hmm. comicbook.com's tim gettys yes we mm-hmm. do he, he, if he's not making headlines out there, if he's not rabble-rousing with the rumor mill over there, mm-hmm. Jeff Grubb, Tim, Tim Geddes. That's what we're talking about right there. That's all that it is. Combine Tim the two Hall. of us. Horrors will be the, be ready for you, everybody. Wait, who? The horrors or horrors? Horrors. <laughs> horrors. I'm sure Barrett will bring it up. What do they do at comicbook.com? <laughs> I do want to give a shout out, speaking of interview and the housekeeping, the I Am Groot episode's up, but also our rewatch of The Incredible Hulk is up right now. Oh. A lot of people are like, oh, I can't watch it because it's not on Disney+. Plus. It's on HBO Max. So if you wanted to watch Fuck, that movie, yeah. then oh, did you pay for it? Yeah, I paid for it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> it's too hard. I don't want to take the second sometimes to Google and find out. I get it. I hate both of you. I get it. I hate everyone here, Gary. Speaking of Disney+, Plus, <laughs> I, 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 know, I know where you're coming from. Speaking of Disney+, Plus. When are you guys going to do Bluey in review? Because, you know, season three just dropped. And there's a lot of excitement about the new season of Bluey. Greg knows I've, what I'm talking about. I've started watching Greg Bluey. I have started watching Bluey. It's good. You tweeted Bluey. about this, right, Greg? Did you say this is quality children? I'm a tastemaker. Yeah, I'm a tastemaker. I, I did tweet about Bluey and kind of put it on the map. Yeah, if you know, you know. Good. 
And if yeah. you know, you know that Bluey is the best show on television. Not just the best children's show on television, mm -hmm. the best show on television. I believe it. It has everything oh. I like. Small dogs and the color blue. Yeah. It's got it all. Mm -hmm. What now, did you ask for? What's the synopsis of Bluey? Give me, give me the, give me the elevator pitch on Bluey. Go for it, gang. It's, um, it's a, you know, it's a little kids animated family show. It's a family. It's set in Australia. It's made and set oh. in Australia, and it's a family Morning of right uh, the uh, Blue Healer dog. That's the breed. It's a very popular breed of dog in in uh, in Australia. Oh. They're called Blue Healers, and the little cartoon dogs. There's a mom and a dad, and there's uh, and there's two kids, Bluey and Bingo, and they're uh, uh, and their sisters. And it's just like a little, they're just little adventures that the kids have. It all kind of centers around like the dad playing with the kids. And if you've ever been a kid or if you're a parent who has kids, then you recognize all of the little scenarios and things that play out. It's, it's imaginative play. It's little adventures they go on. It's games that the kids play together with their parents. And it's very, you know, sweet and wholesome. Um, but it's, it's genuinely like really profoundly well observed as like a little slice of parenting life and mm. uh it's it's a it's a wonderful show to watch with your kids if you are but i mean anyone of any age i think would would appreciate because we've all been kids at some point and it really is going to take you back to the magic of 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 play you know just you know just mm -hmm. things you can do with an empty cardboard box you sure. know if you have the imagination and um but certainly if you're a parent and, and you've and you've got kids like you'll you'll recognize so much that's true in it it's it's really remarkably well done now very much in the same vein uh, i think have you watched prey <laughs> no it's on it's it's on my list for this weekend i i gotta i gotta watch it i'm very excited i'm so glad for uh for dan trachtenberg you yes. know because of course comes out comes from the same gaming background that, that we do mm -hmm. former host of the totally rad show and uh you know of course we all know dan from way back when i i remember when he was first like trying to get his foot in the door and he was doing that amazing um portal short that, film portal that was kind shape, of his, which was the that shit. was that was his calling card into hollywood and uh, look at him now. He's the toast of Hollywood. He's made probably what will probably be one of the one of the most well liked, highest rated films of the year. Incredible. And you know, and, and in a franchise that has struggled, right, to please sure. audiences since the original film. There's, there's been, been ups and downs. Okay? There's been a lot of downs. <laughs> Let's face it, there's been a lot of downs. There's been some um, good. There's been some bad. There's been some interesting choices made with the Predator and the Alien series. I there's didn't realize that between Alien versus Predator and Aliens versus predator requiem they added mm -hmm. an s on alien that makes it so much more confusing than it needs to be well there's multiple aliens plural Th there is multiple aliens in the first one too yeah it's true yeah you're right you're not wrong i did not Nick, realize that either you just i'll let you know crazy. i have watched prey i enjoyed it quite a bit it was a good movie oh, i'm glad i'm glad right? I you, know, you know i like the predator you know i like it and seeing what he's up to Absolutely. predator hunting grounds now has the prey skin in it no big deal by the way just oh like, that's sick that's pretty cool. go back if you want to go back and do that but where i want to go back to is this bluey business because we've watched a few blueys here and there uh gary mm -hmm. but obviously benjamin's super young so i'm asking right. you gary Witta, where do you come down with miss rachel do you know miss rachel from youtube is that something that's that miss rachel is something that has just recently come into our lives and has been a little bit of a godsend because yes. our, our youngest yes. who just turned 10 months just loves like Miss loves Miss Rachel. Barrett, I sent yes. Yeah, Nick and Tim, I assume you aren't familiar with Miss Rachel. Very unfamiliar. Miss Rachel assumption. is right here. She wears the pink shirt. She wears the bib jeans. She talks straight to our baby and does songs for littles. And she'll sing little songs and you know ABCs and cats and stuff and blah blah blah. The video you're watching right now has uh, seventy six point four million views. Yeah. And so oh, that she's is hugely why I, popular. That is why I am proposing 
and not even promoting, I'm demanding, Tim, that mm-hmm. you, one day, we go back to the new studio, 2025. Mm-hmm. You give me a green screen. You buy me some bib jeans, Nick. You buy me a blue shirt or whatever, and I can be Mr. Greg. Oh, yeah, and that sounds like a good idea. What we do is I mm-hmm. it starts normal, and then I just get Greg about it. You know what I mean? We are talking uh, about, okay. like, so how many okay. headless caterpillars are Got in it. your mouth. You know what I mean? For, let me for go a second. For for a second, I thought you were legitimately pitching us on you becoming the next Mr. Rogers, like a kid's book. And I just sure. wanted to remind you of that time we were playing Nidhogg, and you just decided for no reason under your breath to start hailing Satan and praying to him, Dark Lord. Well, if you remember, I wanted to win, and I did. All I had to do was promise my soul and Andy's soul. It's pretty yeah, simple. Yeah, but I'm not a dad, but I'm pretty sure parents frown upon you invoking the name of Beyonce. But here's the thing, Nick. Every parent for so long has <laughs> had to go? be this go? just straight arrow. You know what I mean? No <laughs> fun. But our that. generation's here now. And I assure you, there's definitely going to be a few parents out there who want to be entertained by the person entertaining their children. Yeah, just ben isn't the absorbing arts. anything Miss Rachel says. All right. I'm mm-hmm. the one who knows all the songs. Songs. You know what I mean? Um, I'm the one learning them and memorizing them okay. and talking about the fire trucks and the, the gum stuck mm-hmm. to your parents stuff. I know all this stuff. He doesn't okay. know any of that. He's just entertained. So if I'm up there doing a fun song, and yeah, maybe it's about Satan. Maybe it's about Tim Gettys having too many teeth. It doesn't matter. That's what <laughs> the, the parents, the parents are entertained. The kid is entertained. Everybody's happy. So when yeah. they say kids are a sponge, what they mean, they're just kids are wet rags. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean like, yeah. You, I mean, does a sponge seem smart to you? <laughs> You're, you know what? You got me. Thank you to our Patreon smart. producers, Fargo, Brady, uh, David Hazinga, uh, Nathan Lamoth, Delaney Twining, uh, Nat Vu, and Gordon McGuire. Today we're brought to you by MeUndies and Chime, but we'll tell you more about that later. For now, let's talk Gundog. Gary Witta, you have a brand new thing called Gundog. What is it? Um, I think we, you know, when I was on the show recently talking about Batman and we had more of a general conversation about just what it's like working in, in Hollywood and how difficult it can, it can be sometimes to kind of get, you know, projects through that, through that system. Um, this was kind of, this, this, this is kind of like a really good illustration of, of, of that and how I've tried to kind of deal with the realities of, of how difficult that can, that can be. You know, mo- most of my career since Eli, which was an original, piece but is now 12 years old most most of my career since then has been working you know on other people's stuff you know whether it be star wars or uh the walking dead or batman or you know a bunch of other things it's you know that's generally what the work is for screenwriters in hollywood is, is adapting other things and existing things um it's very very difficult unless you're working at a very kind of low level, you know, kind of budgetarily indie level where, you know, you can, you can make movies for relatively less money. It's very difficult to get original material through the system. And you can just see that reflected in the, in the box office, right? Everything is Marvel. Everything is star Wars. Everything is, you know, star Trek, Harry Potter. It's all things that, are ver- that have very established fan bases. And the reason for that, I mean, don't, don't get wrong. A lot of that stuff is, is wonderful. Marvel, Star Wars, it's all great. But the reason why that dominates the landscape is just because Hollywood is by and large, very risk averse, right? And, sure. and making, making the next Marvel project or making the next Star Wars project is inherently less risky than making something original from scratch that no one's ever heard of, because you know, there's going to be an audience there that's immediately going to sit up and pay attention because we all know what these projects are. We all, we, we all, everyone knows those, those big uh, universes. It's very, very rare um, for something original to to break through kind of at, at that level. Um, and so the, 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 the kind of curse that I created for myself when I, when I got into this business is like the stuff that I grew up on 
like Star Wars, like Star Trek, like Battlestar Galactica, all the stuff that I watched as a kid. That generally is the stuff that I enjoy writing, like big, large scale, you know, popcorn type stuff, which, you know, by its nature is not cheap to make in Hollywood. And so the stuff, the, a lot of the original stuff that I'm attracted to making is the hardest stuff to get through the system. So a few, I, I, and I started to get wise to this a few years ago as like I would write original spec scripts for like big, you know, expensive things and nobody would make them like Eli was was kind of a, a an outlier kind of a miracle in that regard it's still a miracle that anyone made that movie um you know I I deliberately wrote Eli to be like really super cheap because I thought well maybe someone will make like the eight million dollar version of it I never imagined that somebody would make the 80 million dollar version which is eventually <laughs> what they did um but I remember thinking at the time it's like that's the one you get like that's the one original movie you're ever mm -hmm. going to get through the system and just be grateful for this one because there probably won't be another and there hasn't sure. been in 12 years everything I've worked on again I'm thrilled to have worked on Star Wars and you know and and the other big things that I've done but the stuff that I care about the most is the stuff that you you kind of create from from whole cloth and you get right. to say like if no one else, like if it wasn't for me no this wouldn't exist no one else would have had this idea um but again, I, I've gotten wise over the over the last few years to to how difficult that is to to kind of get that kind of material through kind of the Hollywood gatekeeping system with all of its risk aversion and and you know why why make this one we could just make the next Marvel. We just want money. We whatever. just want a return right. on the investment. And we and we and we and we and we want to expose ourselves to minimal risk. Like why make something with no fan base when we can make something that has an existing fan base and there's mm -hmm. a greater assurance that an audience is going to show up. The the example I always give when I talk about things like this is think about the hunger games, right? Um, if Suzanne Collins, who wrote the hunger games had written that as an original screenplay first, you know, right off the bat and tried to get that made as a movie, I guarantee you, no one here has ever heard of the hunger games. It never had, no one makes that movie no. but yeah. because she wrote a book and it became super successful. Then Hollywood was like being down, beating down her door to make yeah. the movie. Right. Because they, they, they rightly assumed, that because millions of people bought the book, lots of people would always would also buy tickets to the movie version. That's kind of a no brainer. A long time ago, Nick and I had this idea for a backyard wrestling movie mm -hmm. that we went and we, uh, you know, we were working on the outline and stuff. And the idea was that if we started a YouTube channel and community called Kind of Funny, we could get that big enough that then we could get the movie made no problem. Mm -hmm. And it did not work out. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. it's no. i mean whichever way you come line. at it, it's 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 tough. I'm just, just I'm just trying to find kind of easier ways through. And so I just want I, I'm just happy to kind of tell a story to an audience in whatever format or medium I can. Like films always always, always my first choice because it's kind of my first love, my first language. But it's also the hardest thing to do, right? It's the thing that costs the most, requires the most collaboration, the most money. Again, it's it's not something you can just decide to do. Again, some filmmakers do that, right? Kevin Smith started his career, just maxed out his credit cards and went and made a movie. Yeah. Robert Rodriguez did that, maxed out his credit cards and went and made a movie. And you can do that. That's a legitimate way in. Um, for me, it's been kind of a different path as I've been writing, uh, you know, kind of continuing to kind of gestate, you know, original kind of science fiction and fantasy ideas over the past several years. It's just become more and more apparent to me that trying to get those realized as a movie first, even though that might be my, my if I could wave a magic wand, that would be my preferred way to do it. It's just, it, it's almost entirely likely to end in disappointment. I had, a, I had an idea like, so mm -hmm. about 10 years ago, there was a story I wanted to do it was kind of like a medieval horror thing. Uh, set in 10th century England during the Viking invasions. But I've, at that point, I've been in Hollywood long enough to know that as soon as I go into a room and sit down and pitch that to an executive, right, it's 10th century England. I can see it glaze over right yeah. away, right? They're not buying this. Um, 
And so I wrote that as a book instead. And the book was published and people liked it. And I was very happy about it. In fact, you guys, you remember one of the very first shameless PR stops I ever did was back when you were still in your little back bedroom there in the, we're here for. in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And you guys were actually a big part of, of, of helping me bang the drum for that. And I think you were a big part of its success. And I thank you for it. Are you talking um, about Abomination that's available abomin right now for $1 on inkshares.com? Go see my pinned tweet. Amazing. Um, and so that kind of opened my eyes to the idea, you know, I just want to tell stories and I, I, I want to, whichever, is, is, is there like a less steep path up the mountain that can still get me to the top where a story is told? Mm. And the fact that I was able to do that with Abomination, where I know for a fact that the movie version of that would never have been made. Uh, I did it again with uh, with Oliver, which was the first screenplay I ever wrote and broke broke in with. Uh, nobody ever made that movie, but I kind of went back and kind of stripped it for parts and reverse engineered it and turned it into a graphic novel. That was published and people liked that. And so it was like, huh, movies, almost impossible to make. Other things actually much easier to make and get to a point of satisfaction where, oh yeah, that came out and people were able to you know, read it, consume it or whatever and, and, and enjoyed it. Um, and so I've increasingly been kind of looking for like other ways to kind of get stories to the surface that don't involve the Sisyphean struggle of trying to convince, you know, Hollywood, you know, movie people to, um, you know, risk a millions of dollars of their own money doing this. And of course, and, and nobody wants to get back gold, right? That's, that's the, that's the, the, you know, the, the, the terrible nature of this business is especially when you're working on other people's material, you are not in any way in control of your own destiny. The, the people that are writing the checks own you and own all of your creative dreams and aspirations and i i ha i've had a movie i worked on a movie for about two years that was canceled six weeks before production and i was heartbroken the people that worked on batgirl where it was canceled like six weeks on the back end when the movie was almost That's done brutal. and now That's no brutal. one will ever see it and those guys were getting up at four o'clock in the morning every day to, to shoot their to shoot their days um and you know script development and everything that you go through like the blood sweat and tears that you you put everything into making a movie and to have the, and and to be told at the end of that process it was all for nothing i i can't imagine let me pause here because we do have a question on patreon.com some from zombie high x23 and says what is everybody's thoughts on the ongoings over at wb discovery with them canceling projects and of course you're referencing the background project i do you really buy you'll never see this movie who knows I, you I, I mean, yes, Tim. You at, think this, sure? at this point, I actually think it's kind of why. Why not put it out? Because if it is bad, uh, they get to say, "Well, we told you. That's why we didn't want to release it. You wanted to see it. Well, enjoy." Um, but and, and, and but if it's good, they at least get to say, "Hey, you know what? We we heard you, audiences. You know, we bowed to the public pressure. We put it out there." So I think, mm. to me, it kind of feels like a win-win for them. And I think there is a good chance that the reason why they're saying that the movie is bad is just as cover for them. Like, you know, they, was they, that they, what they, they said, I thought it was that tax stuff. That well, I mean, they, they, I, mean I think they, they were also bad. putting out that the movie like performed poorly in test screenings or whatever. Oh, okay. I think one way or another, the truth is going to out. It's see, it's just, it's so, see, I don't know though, because honestly, like there's, there's, I'm, I'm of two thoughts on that one. It's kind of, it's, it is kind of cr completely crazy that I don't understand business to that level where someone's like, Hey, if you cancel this $90 million project, you get a tax break that's going to make you more money. I'm like, that sounds crazy, but good for you guys. You They, they went to finance school. They went to film studies school. <laughs> um, but I do think that of all the people making comic book style movies, Warner should be a little bit more discerning with what they're putting out. So, But I, I just think like maybe don't, <laughs> like it just sounds crazy to like, maybe look at some dailies 
for the first couple weeks of shooting and be like, this isn't working out the way we need it to. Well, this or, is the shift in leadership though, too, right? Where the new yes, leadership was going to be theaters, and, then it was going to be streaming, and then now they're just like, no, and it's that's fucking the Michael Keaton. That's the problem is you never know when like the people at the top of Mount Olympus are going to change. Right. And, and we're all, you know, at their mercy again with the movie that I was talking about, that was a movie that I was doing for, for Fox and we were, it was Was going really well. And then, yeah. And then Disney bought Fox and took, it took inventory of everything Mm. that that, that was in production there and just said, we don't want to make this one, this one, and this one. And and ours was one of them, even though they had $40 million already spent on pre-production, they just wrote it all off. I wanted yeah, mouse guard so bad, Gary. I know. May, maybe one day you'll see some version of it, but that was—I mean, that—that that was the closest I've ever come, come to hitting the bit, quitting the business. Like I threw my phone across the room, and I and I and my wife had to come into my office and ask me if I was okay because I was so pissed off. And I very rarely get to that point. And that was probably where I started to think more about like I—I'm I'm still going to do these movies to pay the bills because. Um, you know, it's my bread and butter working in Hollywood. I'm working on like a bunch of different movies right now where I'm exactly where, um, yeah, in the position that I continue to bemoan, which is I'm not really in control because I'm not spent because I'm not writing the checks. I don't get to decide what ultimately happens with this movie. Mm-hmm. I can get fired. The movie can get turned into something unrecognizable to me. It can get canceled. You just never know. So like, I'm always, I'm never going to be off that tightrope, but the way right. that I can at least mitigate it is making time to develop projects where I, where that can't happen. Where because I'm not for because I'm not asking for anyone else's money or permission, yeah. no one can ever pull the rug out from under me. Because <clears throat> honestly, that's a big part of it. On top of all the creative stress and anxiety that goes into just making the movie, there is now this other level of like, what if it's all for nothing? What if we get cancelled? Or what if we get pulled? What mm-hmm. if the director drops out? I and mean, you think about that all the time, like all the things that are outside of your control. So this is kind of the sideline I'm, I'm trying to develop now with original projects of like. Whereas as little of it is outside the sphere of my control as possible. Mm. So I did that with a, with abomination where um, I was able to publish the book on my, on my own terms and was very pleased with that. Did it with Oliver where we were able to publish the comic book. Cause you get messed with much less. Like there's no, there's no endless like development notes or whatever they might have notes here and there, but they pretty much let you do what you want. If you're working in comics, or if you're working as a novelist, um, cause you have much more authorial authority. I mean, it's literally where the word authority comes from, right? You're the, the author of the piece. Sure. But being the author of a, of a movie in Hollywood doesn't re- really mean very much. Uh, but if you're the author of a book or I remember when I wrote Abomination and the editor sent me back her edits and there was all these notes and they looked almost, they almost did look like studio notes, like consider changing this and you might want to you know make this character more like that or whatever. Um, and, and you were like, no. It took a minute for me to understand that I could get there. I said, I said to the editor, I love like, these notes are great, but these like three over here, I don't agree with. What do we do about that? And she was just like, don't do them. Ignore them. <laughs> you're, you're the author. You don't have to. They're just suggestions. And I was like, really? I can just do that? Yeah, if you want to make um, a shit book, go for it. Because in Hollywood, notes are presented to you much more as a fait accompli. It's like, do these right, notes or we'll happy. find someone who will. Right. And that's a, and, and, and that, and it's a night and day. And it was so refreshing to be able to, have the final say on a creative decision on a way that I never would have on a, on a movie. Um, and so that's just like, as, as much as like the, the movie, like the, the Hollywood stuff and working on for, on other people's projects continues to be like how I pay the bills. It's still 90% of what I do. I at least want to try and cultivate this sideline where I can like surface original projects with as little hassle as possible. Cause I'm doing it in a way where they simply don't cost very much money. It doesn't cost very much money to publish a book or a comic book. Um, and so with Gundog, which is something that I've, had, like had rattling around in my head since 2004 
in various forms. I've just always wanted to do something with giant mechs. Like, I don't know why I just love giant mechs. I've never been a, a bit, been a, any particular fan of like any particular mech universe, like Gundam sure. or you know, <clears throat> Robotech or whatever. I just like the idea of big fucking giant Colossus like tanks kicking the shit out of each other. It's just inherently cool. And as huge as it is in Japan, there's never really been that like in the Western world. There's Pacific Rim and like a couple of other things, but like I don't know why that why we don't have like a big mech franchise in, uh, in the West. Excuse me. Oh, here we go. What have I what have I missed? Transformers, baby. Let's go. They're one, not of the biggest, one of the biggest franchises of they all time. Not mechs. You cannot call a Transformer a mech. I mech is something so. the first part mech, of mech is a mech man. is a vehicle that has to have a human operator. That's how I would didn't we, did, right, did we do right. this already last time? Did we have like, <laughs> the big <laughs> robots? Maybe, maybe. I feel like we've rehashed a lot of this. It's so, interesting. I'm go sorry, ahead. Keep going. No, no go, go ahead, Nick. No, well, I was going to. I was going to ask you more about uh, a gun dog, but I had before that. Going back to an earlier point, like I feel like you're at that point now where, where you start right, like where you're established enough where you where you start writing movies that are like in the one to ten million dollar range, and then going out there and trying to get them funded for yourself. Have you thought about doing that? Have you thought about moving into the producing sort of actual production of the films? Yeah. So that's another thing as well. So I mean, I I'm not gonna. I can't get into this one right now, but I did write like a little kind of five million dollar movie um that we that, that i saw no like a deal. year a year well i mean again by hollywood standards right that's that's nothing right um See, again when you by comicbook.com tim getty standards that's something all right <laughs> but again but, 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 i mean and, and, and that's one way to get original ideas through this is you make it cheap enough that the risk is not that big a deal and that's right. why all and that's why all the creative risk taking happens at the lower end of the budget spectrum right where you can have weird movies like you know the lighthouse or whatever like that could never happen at a higher mm -hmm. level because it's so nutty like but a, a few million dollars if we we can make our money back here and they'll and the spreadsheet says yes basically everything gets run through like a hollywood spreadsheet and it either comes out yes mm -hmm. or no like you're gonna make money or you're not um and again the stuff that i want to do is often you know coming out the wrong side of that spreadsheet so <laughs> with with gundai i wanted i thought i'll write it as a novel again because i enjoyed writing the first one and we'll, we'll do that again and so i started writing that like back in i don't know 2018 and then by the time the book was done, um, the pandemic was starting to kick in and I was trying to figure out like what to do with this book that I had written. And I thought I'll self-publish it this time. I'll just like do it all by myself just to see what, what happens. Um, and around that time, like, my wife, because during the pandemic, she started reading a lot of audio books. She got like an Audible subscription and was like a big Audible, big audio book consumer. And I learned, I discovered that uh, audio books are like it's a massive segment of the of the of the literary market it's like a third of people who read books and buy books do it in audio format right they have the book read to them rather than you know reading it off a page and i found that fascinating i thought wow if i if i'm going to do this like maybe like maybe there needs to be like an audio component to it so i thought okay would it be possible to like self produce my own audio book adaptation of of the book and to release both together so that mm -hmm. there is if you if you want the audio book we have that for you as well and this was right when the not that now it's just merely very bad but went back you know in 2020 when the pandemic was really 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 bad and movie sets were closed down and you know tonight show was happening in a broom closet cuz nobody could get on a set and all this kind of stuff there was a lot part of the reason why we had that success with animal talking back in 2020 was all those big stars we got on the show came on because they had nothing better to they were literally sitting around when we had colin trevorrow on the show he came on because he was, he was supposed to be on the jurassic world set but he was he was shut down so he just came and did our show because he was bored sitting in his hotel room and so <laughs> we've kind of been in the right place at the right time and so i was thinking i know i know people because of my day 
my day job. I know actors, I know composers, I know sound editors, I know people that could help me try. Like, how hard can it be? Well, as it turns out, it's really fucking hard. But we, tr <laughs> we, we tried. And I, I got to know Shannon Woodward because she was a guest on Animal Talking and Last of Us Part Two was blowing up her back in 2020 as well. And um, got, to, got to be friendly with Shannon and she's done some audio work. And I called her up and said, would you be interested in um, narrating this book, like performing this book? And she said, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, she was, I was amazed that she agreed to do it, but she agreed to do it. She and does. over the course of the next two years, it, it took a while because the pandemic started to kind of ease up. The movie sets uh, opened up again and Shannon started going back to work. And she basically recorded this whole thing in little bits and pieces, like as she could, like she was doing a show in New Zealand, but she recorded some of the chapters like in her hotel room when she was in New Zealand. And she would just do it like a piece at a time um as 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 she could uh i spoke to austin wintry who of course we all know does amazing you know uh, video game compositions wrote what i still think is one of the best video game soundtracks of all time in journey yeah. uh, austin austin and i are good friends and i said would, could we like is there some way we could put music to this austin ended up ended up writing like a complete orchestral sound like a 90 minute soundtrack for the whole thing like this is it is it like actually a real orchestra or is it uh electronic i know it still sounds I, really good i know for a fact that he brought in real musicians That's with live instruments. so freaking cool yeah Did it's you, not you are you are you like guys i'll bring over the pizza to your house right now thanks <laughs> as payment how are you pulling these kind of favors man so they did it and that's the thing they did it for free and it's made me very guilty and i bought them lots of i lavished them with lots of gifts and things like that to say thank you because they didn't know kind of what else to do i actually almost kind of wished that i had paid them because then it would make me easier like when i wasn't Easy getting like yeah. I was like, hey, what, that and plus I get to call up Shannon and go, where the fuck is my audio? Like you're a week later or whatever. <laughs> right, but when right, she's right. doing it as a favor, you just have nope. to kind of, uh, you know, it's like you, you, you're, you know, you're, you're lucky that she's doing it at all, right? So that's kind of why it took a while to get together because it was just, we did all of it, like including myself. Like, I was doing the editing and the audio reviews and stuff just when I had time between other projects, which, you know, often that took a while for me to get to it. And so over the course of the last two years, me and Austin, and Shannon and my friend Adam Nickerson, who did a lot of the kind of the technical behind the scenes, like audio work, um, kind of put this thing together. And it ended up being almost nine hours of, of audio that we that we produced. And so then I now I've got this audio book and I was trying to think of an original way to distribute that as well. Like it's easy to self-publish a book, but audio, what do you do? I don't know. Do I make it a podcast, I guess? But I just didn't know what to do with this thing now that I had it. But I, as you know, I had this success back on in, uh, on Twitch back in 2020 when Animal Talking blew up and I still have a big audience on Twitch from that. Um, and I thought, I mean, is there like, and I was really pleased with myself, the fact that Animal Talking was like something original on Twitch. Like it was a new way to use Twitch and a different kind of content that than you might be used to. And people were like very tickled by how it was this cool idea. And I was like, is there something else that we could, we could do to use Twitch like in an original way? So what we arrived at, and we actually did the first episode last night, it was really, really cool. Um, is having broken the whole thing down into these nine hour long episodes uh, every Wednesday night on Twitch starting uh, as we record this starting last night, we're doing each episode is kind of like a li like a live listening party where, you know, we tune cool. into the show. I show up much as I am here now in, on camera and introduce the episode for everyone and kind of tee it up and talk a little bit about how it was created um, and, and to kind of explain what it is. And then we play the audio. And there's like a little placeholder page that people can look at while the audience, but it's essentially a radio, you know, you, you could close your eyes and just listen to it. But what's nice about it is because everyone's kind of listening to it together, collectively live in the chat, they can all react and respond 
to like, you know, there's things are happening in the story. They can go, oh my God, or oh, that's cool or whatever. And it's been really fun to kind of watch everyone kind of reacting to it in a live kind of communal way. In the same way that it's fun to like watch a movie in a cinema because everyone like kind of laughs or cries, whatever at the same time. Um, or even kind of hearkening back to like fall 17 feet to the ground. What's that? Some people jump over railings and fall 17 feet to the ground when they have to go to the who, bathroom. Who's this? Who, who does that? Was that, you, Nick? that was, was you. That weird? Was you. Who, 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 listen, again, if they had, if they would just do what I want them to do and build all theaters the exact same layout, then we wouldn't have this problem. Did you like go over a railing and it was like a way bigger drop than yeah, you thought oh, it was yeah, going to be? Gary, okay. It was during Gary, it was Spider-Man, it was Spider-Man Far From Home. It was halfway through the movie. And Nick you were Scarpino. far from the floor. Had to pee, and it was like, I'm just jump over the rail, thinking that it was going to be just jumping over the rail, not knowing there was more of a drop. And we heard everyone in the theater heard exactly what happened, and everyone that knew Nick knew it was Nick. (laughs) Did you you hurt yourself? No, thankfully, I did not hurt myself, um, unless you're talking about my pride, because there's nothing worse than embarrassing yourself in front of this group. I don't know if you've ever said something wrong or done something silly on a podcast. Oh, you mean like they were... weren't completely understanding and sympathetic when you embarrassed yourself? It's strange. When I he know, jumped it's... over the railing of a movie theater to go pee. <laughs> it was it wasn't my finest hour. Incredible. It was they doubled down and they have they still to this day the one thing I've ever done wrong mm-hmm. in the seven years mm-hmm. we've run this company. They can't they can't let me forget. What what are you gonna do? Did you try to go over the railing in like a cool Miami Vice type way as well? Oh, I like definitely did. Yeah. I definitely parkour over I did, the railing. I did the one hand. What I used to do all the time was okay. Do you remember when they, the theaters? And I think they still have these where it's like when stadium seating became a thing. Right, Thank you, Barry. Yeah, this was an animated short that got done here. Gary, if you Sound want a dramatic like, reenactment, I'm, I'm watching the dramatic reenactment yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> there he goes. Okay, that was. Uh, I did it a lot more. <laughs> I did it a lot more gracefully than that. But it really was. Uh, let me back up. Remember, remember when stadium seating first came? I think there was those. There was the front <laughs> row of the stadium had those little rails that you could put your feet up on, right? So if you got those seats, you got in, and it was before like the actual front rows. It was like there was that break uh, where there's some of the ADA seating, and then right below, right behind that, there was the rails. I used to sit right there. I loved it. I put my feet. But then instead of going around, I would parkour over it, and you'd land right on the other side like a two foot drop. In my brain, I'm like, I'm going to do that again. It's going to be awesome. Everyone's going to think this is the coolest thing ever. But literally, as I jumped, Gary, it was so far down. I had time to think. I don't I, think there's ever going to be I, a floor. I was going to. I was going to say. I feel like in that moment, because I've I've done something similar to this in the past. I feel like in that moment, there's just enough time for you to realize. Oh shit! This was more of a drop than I bad. realized. Yeah. Yeah. This is bad. And and the thing I was worried about most was not blowing out my ACL. It was yeah. the laugh. Not Greg's laugh. Not Tim's laugh. Not Andy's laugh. Not Joey's laugh. Kevin's laugh. It was yeah. the Kevin yeah. chuckle that I knew was going to inevitably come. And I just heard, <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Then the walk back into the, that theater was just so, man, everyone, as I walked down, because it was one of those things, honestly, sometimes when they do the, the, the reclining seats, you don't have any space between that, the, the barrier and the reclining seat. And for whatever reason in the seat that we did, I was like, I, there's not enough space. There's not enough space. I, I like to think if in. it were me, I would at least like peered over first just to, just to check the drop, you know? You so never spatial know. awareness of when you walked into the theater with all the lights on, maybe you would have noticed how high up you were. Yeah, yeah but Greg, things when you're on, when you're down. Then you come in with your, your popcorn, your DC, and your raisinets, and you're like, in there. <laughs> I'm raising Wait, so, like I'm an so for, for the Thank other you. people that were there, for I understand what it was like for you, but for other people that were like observing this, mm-hmm. at what point did they realize that this was hilarious? Because like, like when no. you went over, Gary, or... it was it was okay. So my coworker, it wasn't hilarious at the time. My coworkers 
everyone that works kind of funny that was there super embarrassed because it sounded like somebody dropped a massive stack of books which in a movie theater in this day and age is not a, a, a pleasant sound to hear when it's not part of what's happening on screen so everyone was like what the fuck was that I go away. I think to myself, what is the appropriate amount of times that people get re-engrossed in this movie? <laughs> they forget. And they, don't, they forget. They forget. There is and the none. answer is there is none. There is no. no appropriate amount of time. I had to shimmy back through that line and apologize to each and every one of those people. I'm so sorry. I was thinking. What was I thinking? I think it's a much bigger drop. It is, right? It's a much bigger drop. And yeah. I'll, I'll just say this in my defense. When you look at the roof, Greg, you think I could jump off that because I'm looking at it from the ground up. It doesn't look so high. Then when sure, you go when up, there up there and you look down, you go, oh, shit, I have a whole different perspective on this. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I'll never do it again. Yeah, you know, you I, should do I, that, I was sitting and gentlemen. In front. You should go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny. On patreon.com slash kindoffunny, you can write in. You can hear the rest of Tim's story. You can hear it right now because you want to get ads, but you're not there. So here's a word from our sponsor. No one. And the rock means no one likes waiting on a paycheck. Especially, ladies and gentlemen, when you've got bills due. Good thing there's now Chime. Now you can get your paycheck up to two days early with direct deposit. That's up to two more days to save, pay bills, and generally just feel good about your money situation. Waiting for your money, never good. Getting your money in advance, great. Who wouldn't want that? Chime is more than about just getting paid early. It's also an award-winning mobile app, checking account, debit card, and optional savings account. So what are you waiting for? Hopefully not your paycheck. Get started with Chime today. Applying for a free account takes less than two minutes. Get started at Chime.com slash KF Games. That's Chime.com slash KF Games. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on the payer. Where'd the sunglasses go? Chime.com slash KF Games. That's Chime.com slash KF Games. Have you heard about the legendary underwear brand that's taken the podcast world by storm? Famous for their buttery soft undies and bralettes, MeUndies loves podcasts just as much as you do. It's like they're made for you and you're made for them. You're made for each other. Now, of course, ladies and gentlemen, you know I love my MeUndies because they're the most comfortable underwear I've ever had and because they have great patterns. As the king of Halloween, my candy corn pair never fails to make me smile. Everyone knows MeUndies for their super soft undies and comfy bralettes, but did you know they also make other stuff? We're talking about durable, cushy socks that will make your feet sing. They even make hoodies for your dog so you can match every important person in your life. Available in sizes XS to 4XL and tons of colors and prints. Meundies has a great offer for my listeners. Any first-time purchasers can get 20% off plus free shipping and returns. To get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. That's MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. Tim. Uh, so me and Gia were sitting in the, the very front row. So all of this was happening like a bunch of rows behind us. And yeah, all of a sudden in the movie theater, we just hear the biggest clump of just sound like just like it, it sounded like a bunch of books falling you absolutely nailed that that sound effect but then we hear the kevin laugh we start hearing andy like burst out live like there was a lot of laughter so everyone felt safe because there was enough laughter but it very quickly in my mind i'm like what could have possibly just happened and i hate that somehow i knew nick jumped off the thing like it just seems like such a nick thing to do does but, it seem like a nick but thing that's to the do? weirdest thing is it doesn't but it seems like a kevin thing to do yeah, if Kevin did that. We'd be like, like that Kevin. makes sense. That's a stupid. Yeah. That's that something dumb Kevin would do. Yeah, but that that's part of the reason why I was so embarrassed. I was like, 
That was just a Kevin ass thing you just did. Why would you do that? Why would you do? And what it could have been you committed to greatness. Because you know what, Tim, it had a two percent chance of being the coolest thing anyone's ever done at this company. And we've done mm-hmm. some cool shit at this company, including having Gary Witter here to talk about his podcast. Back I to wish it, I, I wish I'd been there. I wish so I'd you, been there. You were doing the listening parties. You thought that yeah, was the way so to go because we, of the, so we the did the yeah. So that, that we did the first episode last night, and it was really cool. We were on the front page of Twitch, which was nice of them to promote it. Um, and people really enjoyed it and they stuck around for the whole hour. And then we did kind of a Q and a at the end. And that's what we're going to do for the next, uh, for the next now eight weeks. Cause there's eight more episodes. We'll do these like Wednesday night, every night, 7 PM Pacific on my Twitch channel. We'll do these live episodes, but you know, it's, it's funny. I was kind of I was amazed that anyone turned up at all because you're kind of asking people to do something that no one does anymore. Right. Which is show up to what to, to, to consume a show at a given right appointment time, right? I'm, I'm old enough to remember racing home you know to, to catch a tv show before it started right because that you were either home on time or you weren't and the show was going to start destination you. viewing you have to be there now of course you know who does that anymore right everyone you know even if it's a show that is on like a live broadcast network you just dvr it and watch it at your own schedule on netflix obviously again you kind of watch it you know whenever as and when you feel like it and so uh, wanted to make sure it was also available to people that who could get it like on, on their own you know, at their own convenience. So uh, we have it on the YouTube channel as well. We just put episode one up on on my YouTube channel, which is just youtubecom slash Witter. It's all just like slash Witter. Everything is the same. Um, and then we'll be and then we're on podcast services as well. If you just type Gundog G O G U N D O G into Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you get your, your podcast, it'll it'll pop right up. And, um, it's funny. The first, the first issue, or I should say the first episode, uh, I keep saying issues because I'm still in the middle of Batman right now, but the first episode <laughs> should be up on podcast services already. I've had to delay it because I've had like very kind of late, uh, late interest from a couple of these like podcast distribution networks that want to put it out via yeah, their network cool. and potentially cool. help us reach a bigger audience. But, um, for right now, if you want to, if you're interested in it, uh, you can go to the Twitch channel, you can go to the YouTube channel and get episode one, uh, or you can uh, again type Gundog into any uh, podcast service, or go to gundogpodcast.com, and it'll have all the links there. And uh, it's 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 fun. It's been really, in- and again, it's another. Uh, you know, it's like we did it right. We got it in front of an audience, right? Again, no one sure. can pull the rug out from under me at the last minute because I own it. I control it. I own all the rights. Um, there's no no one can stop me putting it on YouTube. No one can stop me putting it on Twitch or podcast. There's nothing. There's there's no gatekeeping. There's no there's no interference between me and the audience like there is in you know the, the the traditional work that I do. So that's that's been the most gratifying thing is to realize that I can if I can find ways to make things cheaply, um, I, I I can get stories in front of an audience without having to go without having to ask anyone's permission. Tim, you had a question. I do. I have a couple questions about what Gun Dog is. Because well, can we hear I, it before I, that? I'd I, love to hear. Are you Gary brought a clip? Yeah, go for it. Uh, Barry, you want to listen in? This is uh, what uh, Gary. What are we? About? This is like the Tonight Show. Gary, what are we about to listen to? I understand you brought a clip. Yeah, and here's and I should, I should Paul Rudd you and just do a clip from Mac and me. That would be, <laughs> oh! that would be good. <laughs> um, it's no, it's a, it's just a little thirty seconds from 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 episode one. Uh, it's the basically the the story. The, the, the whole story is kind of set like two decades after Earth has been invaded and conquered by a, by an alien machine race, and there's a whole generation of almost everyone's been wiped out, but there's like a whole generation of of young people that have now grown up and the only world they ever they've ever known is basically they all live in these kind of alien uh prison camps called townships and they work to serve kind of their new alien overlords and the first episode is kind of set um inside one of those townships and i think the clip we're going to hear is uh, the main character dakota played by shannon um in a kind of altercation with some of the other prisoners in the in the prison camp 
Dakota bolted from her chair and vaulted over the table in a single move, closed the distance between her and Carmichael, and before he could even react, she slammed him against the wall so hard it shook. She pinned him there with her forearm across his chest. My parents aren't here to answer you, she spat, but I am. My mother fought for the last city. She stood against the mech when there was no one else left. Insult her again, and we'll see which one of us is the coward. Yeah. Damn, so just a little good. bit. That's good. Shannon, I like, like, we always say, I never, I never say narrated by Shannon. I always say performed by Shannon because yeah. she really did perform it. Like she really gets her, her teeth into all of these. She plays all the different characters, right? Because it's essentially reading the whole book and she, mm-hmm. and she kind of slips in and out of their different voices and stuff. And it's really, really fun. The first episode is, is really just kind of like set up. I think it kicks into high gear in, in the next episode, but it's a little bit. It's a little bit Star Wars. It's a little bit Last Starfighter. The idea, the idea is, is that Dakota, Shannon's character, um, is the daughter of um, a woman who was in the Air Force during the war twenty years ago, and and was the pilot of one of these, uh, what was called a gun dog, which were these giant mechs that we built as kind of a weapon of last resort to try and fight off the aliens, and we lost, and they were all wiped out. Um, but the story is basically about uh, Dakota realizing that there's still one of these gun dogs is still survives somewhere, and it's kind of her destiny to go find it and pilot it and and, and kind of start a new resistance against the aliens. So it's really, really fun. Um, you know, it's a, there's, there's a lot of kind of cool um, action in it. And again, the kind of thing that would be ex- super expensive to make as a, as a film or a television show, but in audio, we can do it. We can and did do it or for, you know, for, for almost zero budget, but it's still really cool. All right, Tim, do your questions. They make less sense now, but I was curious about what uh, what the gun dogs themselves were. If they were dogs with guns, if the the gun was like more like a gun dumb type no, situation. No, it's kind of it was kind of inspired by you know how they call like an F fourteen a tomcat. That's yeah, basically it's it's it's, te- it's technically called the M the, like the actual kind of military name for it is the M one fifty one gun dog. That's just what they in the, in the same way that you would have like an F eighteen, like you know, or a or a you know, warthog, you know, a ten yeah. warthog. This is the M one fifty one gun dog. And I thought a lot about what I had some concepts art done of the of the mech design, and it's really looked at different mech designs out there. Looked at Titanfall, you know, looked at Pacific Rim, looked at all the Japanese, you know, looked at Mech Warrior, Robotech, mm-hmm. all of that stuff, and tried to come up with something that I, I knew. I just knew that I wanted it to be really big. Like the mechs are all different shapes and sizes, yeah. right? Some mechs are basically just like big, like Iron Man suits that you wear, right? Yeah. And some are, and, and some like the Pacific Rim Jaegers are like what, like sixty stories tall. They're massive. Yeah, those are more like the robot jocks. Gun dog. A gun dog is somewhere in between. I think that it's described in the book as being about sixty feet tall, um, weighing and it weighs about six hundred tons. Like it's big, and it's and and like an like a like an F fourteen. It's two. You have a pilot and a gunner. Like there's one one oh, okay. drives it and the other one shoots. Um, and uh, yeah, coming up with the mech. And the design of it, and just making it look like look and sound like this really badass thing was you know, it, that, that that that's one of the most fun things to do is kind of nerd. Out. Oh, it should have to, it should have a rail gun. It should have a sniper rifle yeah. on the shoulder, and that yeah. kind of just coming up with all that kind of cool stuff was was one of the most fun parts of developing it. Does it have the does the, is the left arm? Does that have is just the cannon like that one mech from Robotech? It's got. I'm trying to remember. So it's. I mean, it's got weapons all over. It's got like right. rocket pods on the shoulders and all that kind of stuff. But it's two. It has two arms and two legs. Okay. One of the one of the arms. I think like a main weapon is like a big fuck off chain gun, like a Vulcan oh, okay. that's cannon. What that's what I'm seeing over. And there. the that's yeah, and the and then the other one is. I think it's like the rail gun, and there's um like a long range like 50 cal sniper rifle that can hit targets from like miles away. It's got a lot of. It's got a lot of cool toys and gadgets built into it. When you're working on something like this, do you have, do you like, 
create like a cheat sheet or a Bible or whatever, where it's like, you're, you know, right now you're like, Oh, I think it's got this or that. Is there a, a document somewhere that isn't the text or the, you know, the, uh, yeah, the book that or the manuscript that's what I'm looking for. That is like your cheat sheet of like what you've done or where you've written or how you've yeah, done whatever. You're yeah. I mean, I think anytime you're doing like a sci-fi world where there's a certain amount of world building and rules and consistency, like, again, there's like a whole preset. Like, this is somebody asked me like last night when we were doing episode one, like, when is it set? And it's like roughly like 2050s. Because there's like basically okay. the aliens show up. There's a war that lasts for 10 years. The humans fight for, manage to kind of barely hold them off for about 10 years. And then they lose. And then there's like 20 years of alien occupation of like the, the, the Dakota and a whole kind of gen, like generation of like war children have, have grown up in. So it's th like 30 years from now, basically. And how the war was fought, how the weapons were developed, you know, how the, the mech who are the bad guys operate. Like there's, there's, there's a certain amount of, well, I always try to kind of keep it to a minimum. I always kind of feel like like you want as little world building as possible. One of the one of the one of the traps I think new science fiction writers get caught up in, and I see this a lot when I talk to writers at screenwriting conventions and stuff, is they get very enamored of their own world building and the mythology and all the geeky stuff that they've done. In the beginning, the nine lords of convergence met, and the weapons were forged, and it's all like loads and loads of just stuff, just like a bunch of stuff that they've made up, and it's all very. It's it's all very impressive, but like like for example, I had a writer come up to me at a screenwriting convention like a couple of years ago and said, "I want to tell you about my script." So I was like, "Okay, go," and they were going, "Okay, so fifty thousand years ago, the Lords of Thunder," <laughs> yeah, like, and, and, and I said, "Stop!" Like you've been talking like, for when two does minutes. This take place nineteen sixty. Okay. Well, the thing, like, we I, mean, I remember saying, like you've, like, <laughs> you've been talking for like two minutes, and I don't know who the who the main character is in this yet. Like, right. start with character, start with story, and like the world. Like you only develop as much as much world building as you need to do to to tell the story and, and and no more when i was working on what is now for spoken back in the very very early days and we were doing the um uh the world building for that i remember one of the writers in the room and i've always i've kind of stolen this from him since said uh we're running out of napkin and what he meant by that was somebody had told him once that if you can't fit all of the necessary world building mythology Smart. for whatever world you're developing on the back of a napkin you've got too much of it Mm -hmm. right and and so to say we're running out of napkin is like we're we're, o we're overthinking the mythology like keep it simple like the the greatest is the greatest example of this is like one of the great world building kind of mythological concepts in all the science fiction is the force right mm -hmm. now how is how is the force explained to you in star wars it's one line the force is an energy field created by all living things it surrounds us it binds us, it penetrates us it binds the galaxy together that's it. That's all he says. But and, and instantly you go, okay, I get it. That's cool. Yeah. Right. And then they and then they built and they built the mythology of the force out from there. But like, mm -hmm. there's no long flashback sequence where he talks about the origin of the force. He just one line. And you know, an, another great example <laughs> is you know when he said like all he had to all Alec Guinness needed to say in that movie was I fought in the Clone Wars. And you go, what the fuck is that Clone Wars? That sounds fucking so awesome. Cool. Right. And you want to know more about it. But that's again, they didn't develop it until much later. But the, the, just the sense that there's a bigger world out there that can be hinted at without having to explain everything. I think that's part of the problem that we have with a lot of storytelling these days is the need to like over explain and let's go back and show everything. Whereas what is suggested, what is hinted at, what is kind of on the fringes, it's just over there, but you can't quite see it. That to yeah. me is more interesting because humans are curious by nature and it's in their nature. If you suggest something like as soon as you, when I was a kid, as soon as I heard clone wars, 
I'm doing it in my head. Like, oh, yeah. what were the Clone Wars? Like, they must have been mean? awesome. Are they Clone Jedi? Are they Clone Soldiers? What were they? Yeah, exactly. So you give so you know. give the audience just enough kindling to, to ignite their own imagination and, and then let them go off and do it. So, yeah, there's a certain amount of world building. But again, I like one of the things I've tried to teach myself as a writer over the years is like, only do the bare minimum necessary to tell the story that you want to tell. Right. It's interesting. It's, you know, I feel I feel like that's because of streaming services. I think a lot of streaming services because they need so much content and they've 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 pushed everything over to being like twelve run episodes of a show that probably should have been a two hour movie, and then everything gets so fleshed out that you're like, I'm so beaten over the head with backstory for all these characters and these these side characters that I don't really care about that I just I'm it's I'm losing myself in what I'm supposed to be you know grabbing a hold of these days and 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 a lot of that like one of the things that that it's very hard sometimes for me to enjoy like a movie or a TV show on its own terms because having worked in Hollywood for so long it's like I I don't just see the movie I see the matrix behind it I see all the code right Mm -hmm. so like I I I, I'll watch them and I'm like I see exactly where the studio note was there. Like they added that line that didn't need to be there because the studio wanted it. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's usually towards um, the instinct is towards over explaining and hanging a lampshade on everything to make it obvious. Whereas, you know, again, generally I like one of the great, like kind of storytelling um, principles of Pixar is that always is one of the things they say is like, you give or give the audience two plus two, but don't do the math for them. Don't give them the four, let them add it up on their own. So give them the pieces necessary to kind of reach the conclusion, but don't spoon feed them. Everything is essentially the principle there, but the Hollywood at the executive level where they're constantly terrified of like the audience being confused or getting lost and losing the track of the story because it's not been sufficiently explained to them is to over explain and, and, and over exposit. Whereas the creative impetus is generally to trust the audience and say, if we just give them a little, they will, they will do the rest themselves. And mm-hmm. generally that's true. But we so rarely give audiences the chance to do that anymore because, again, there's 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 so much fear on the executive side um, that that the audience is not going to be able to keep up if you don't like you know ram everything down their throat. Yeah, Tim, what were you going to say? I interrupted you. Uh, I, I was just going to ask, like you, you're talking about Star Wars a lot and your inspirations for a lot of these things and the idea of imagination and even going back to to Bluey with the kids and the box and all that stuff. Do you think that Gun Dog is a children appropriate experience and it was that part of the design at all no it's 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 pretty grim i would think like if it was a movie it would be like a hard pg-13 i think it's pretty it's it's pretty brutal um and it's it well yeah i, I don't think I, I, I wouldn't consider it child friendly but it's still but it is i think kind of based in the same kind of you know classic kind of you know campbellian hero's journey mythos that all that great stuff is you know like, this is something that i'm trying to remember what i was developing recently where we were talking about this but you know whether it's harry potter whether it's um you know star wars so many of these great things that like reached another level right that seem to kind of tap into like some kind of pop culture heartbeat are those that go back to that classic kind of strut that hero's journey structure and it usually starts with whether it's harry potter stuck under the stairs or you know Luke Skywalker stuck on the moisture farm. You, you you've usually got a hero who's stuck like in a dead end place, but he's always kind of looking to the horizon, thinking like, the, like there's a whole grand tradition of Disney princesses, right? Like Moana looking over the ocean, right? What's beyond the horizon? Or you know um, Simba going like you know what's what's beyond you know what's beyond the plains? You know what sure. what's over there? Like there's there's just this sense that like 
there's there's more out there, right? There's a there's a greater like Luke Skywalker, like, like that classic image of him looking at the twin sons. Like, he doesn't have to say anything, but you know what he's thinking. He's thinking like there's got to be fucking more to life than this. I'm stuck on this bullshit farm, you know, in the middle of nowhere. I've got I've got this itch, this unscratchable itch. That there's like a grander destiny out there for me somewhere. And then of course one was- day, you know, Obi Wan shows up, or the owl delivers the letter to Harry Potter, and that's the call to adventure. And but you usually start your hero in that kind of place of like, I mean, I'm this kind of like dead end, you know, there's no escape for me. And that's kind of where Dakota is at the start of God, like literally kind of trapped in an alien prison camp, looking to the horizon, but like the, cannot ever possibly explore it because, you know, she's, she's a prisoner. Episode one. So, you know, starts and uh, builds so much. Like I think the young adult movies, those PG PG 13s, like you're talking of like the eighties when I think of like flight of the navigator, Nick, or when right. I, you know, even when you think mm-hmm. of something like a labyrinth, right. That was like not for kids, but kind of for kids, but it's like, it's that uh, monster squad where there's that region of like, Hey, this is something an adult can clearly enjoy. And a, but a young adult would get really behind. Cause you can attach yourself to the character. And I think, you know, Shannon, of course, friend of the show, she's been on a couple of times and a fan, phenomenal actress. And I think her, intro when she goes through just the very beginning i, I texted you today when, it, when yeah, you yeah, sent yeah. Me the link i was like dude the first five minutes of this are insane like because it is so good such a great job of her introducing what is going on and what the mythos is you know because she's young and like she didn't see it first but they've passed it down of like you know this first mech shows up and just wanted to work peaceably with us but we fucked it up and they were like all right we'll take over and they come in and take over like holy shit that's awesome and it's funny the way that she kind of modulates the storytelling as she goes like she lives in kind of the like the mood of the piece like the, again the opening piece of it that you heard uh that first hour is very much like well we've lost you know we're we're doomed to be kind of the prisoners of, of this alien race and it's very you know and so and so her her tone is very kind of down and it's very grim and you know, it's just, it's a very dark opening, but like later on, once they actually get inside the gun dog and they're like fighting the aliens and she's like, you know, she's like shouting, what are you waiting for? Light those fuckers up. And they're like doing all of the kind of the, the action stuff. She kind of like really leans into that as well and becomes much more kind of animated and kinetic. And it was just a delight to like watch her perform all of these characters and being able to slip in and out of scenes that are like really slow. And there's a lot of pathos and, you know, there's a lot of intimacy between characters and, you know, she kind of brings it down. And then in the big battle scenes, even though we don't have any, like, like Shannon basically does all her own, all of her own special effects, right? We don't have sound effects. We don't have visual effects like she, but she does like just in her vocal performance, like, you know, that you're in the middle of a battle. Right. And it's just, it's really, really cool to listen to. And I think that's so cool. And I think it's such a great idea. The question I had for you is, you know, when you've talked about it, you know, it's, this is the audio book, right? Like you've written the book. It is the yeah. book they're reading. Are you still planning to put that out as normal? Were you concerned oh, at yeah. all? You're giving it away for free that maybe, you know, people aren't going to be a fan of it. What is up with this random ass Jeff Grubb, Tim, that keeps flashing? Barry. Wait, what are, what, I'm just saying, uh, uh, you know, uh, theories are going around. Right right Why is, is, going wait, around is Jeff, is Jeff Grubb like Tim's away card or something? What uh, is that? Theories are going around there. You know, there's rumors that maybe Jeff Grubb oh, and the same person are the same person, and we've never. Oh, I don't seen like it. I've never. Oh, met I, no, I, I just zoomed in on it, and I don't like that at all. It's just <laughs> kind of like <laughs> kind of deep fake mashup of Tim and Jeff. Wow. No, I don't like it. Don't like I'm not a fan. Dip. Which no, one is it? Down. Who am I looking Take at? Take it down. Take it down. Doesn't matter. It, it's all right. Both. They're both the same person. Now, are they both wearing shorts? Yes. 
cool. the time. Uh, Gary, are you you're still doing the book? Are you worried about the yeah, sales? Yeah, so about uh, yes, uh, uh, yes, absolutely. And the, the whole strategy. There's no real strategy. I'm kind of making it up as I go. This this all <laughs> this could all just be a terrible idea. But it was meant to be an experiment. Like I don't need this to make any money. It was something that I kind of did on the side as a hobby project. If like all of the audio versions are free. Obviously, the Twitch and YouTube versions is like you don't have to pay to subscribe or anything. The audio version is just is going to be the podcast version is going to be free. I don't maybe there might be some ads on the podcast or whatever, but sure. like, there's no barrier to entry price wise. The book, the the idea is that once the the whole series is done, like probably around I guess it would be like mid to late October, like eight to nine weeks from now. Is we would then publish the book, and the the book is going to be on Amazon. It's going to be on i you know Apple iBooks, and there'll be digital versions, eBooks, and there'll be a paperback you can get as well. And I'll find some reasonable price to set that at. But again, it's more about just I'm just pleased to get the story out there in a way get that was done there. on my own terms. And if it makes money or not is is not as relevant to me as just the satisfaction of knowing that I was able to get a story to the surface without the usual bullshit that that comes with trying to do that through the typical hollywood system that's awesome so that's all it's 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 been it's been fun and it's it's taken forever to do because of the the pandemic and uh but now we're here people are reacting really well to episode one i think the book's really cool we have a special mystery guest actor showing up Ooh. in episode three mm. it's interesting it's i don't know it's, no, it's, it's funny not. so couldn't no. afford me couldn't get couldn't afford my day rate he actually plays one of the mech, and the mech are machines, right? They're essentially kind of like Skynet. There's no organic. Hello, Dakota. It's me, Greg. <laughs> well, it's funny. So what, what we did friend. is we put so much kind of like artificial post-processing on his voice to make mm -hmm. him sound like this mechanical thing that, it, that it's, it's almost indistinguishable from the actor's real voice. And so right. I'm going to be very interested, and we're actually going to do a contest to see if people can, can guess who it is because I don't – I don't think you can guess from like listening to the voice. You can just make an educated guess as like who like who could this reasonably be? Like who's in Gary's phone book, right? That he could get to do this bullshit. Selena um, Gomez. Henry <laughs> Winkler. Can you imagine? Danny Trejo. That would be incredible. Danny Trejo, is it? I fuck, I should have called Danny. What was I thinking? Opportunity opportunity missed. <laughs> What was that? That was like that. Why did that remind me of? Was the show called The Voice? Is that what it was? Or no? The, who was? What was the one where they wear the cosplay big costume? Oh, the masked singer? The mask singer. The mask yeah, singer. That's what that God. reminds me of. It's like who's behind that? Who's it gonna be? I'm like, ah, now I gotta know. Greg, check back in with me in a couple weeks when this thing drops. I want to know who this person is. Everybody, remember to remind me in two weeks to ask Nick if he figured out who it was on the show. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. No You're saying Wednesday here. nights, Gary? We can. I, I. We can come on and and watch you do these like live yeah so, like so twitch.tv slash gary whatever is where we're doing the live shows the idea is every wednesday night 7 p.m pacific i'll show up and do a live intro then we'll play the episode and then i come back and do a q a, q &A on the back end the mm. other thing that i'm trying to do is because i've got people in the uk and other parts of the world that might want to tune into this as well but like 7 p.m pacific is like four in the morning right or three in the mm. morning in the uk or europe we're doing we're doing a second show every Saturday morning, 11, 11 a.m. Pacific, which would be like evening time in you know UK and Europe, where we're not just rerunning the original the, the first episode. I'll come back and do it all again. I'll reintro it. We'll run the audio again, and then I'll do a separate set of Q and A, whatever, at the end of each show. So wherever you are in the world, depending on your time zone, there's probably a show that like one of those shows will be more convenient for convenient for you than the other but the I, but the the easiest way to get it i suspect the way that most people will get it will be either via the youtube channel 
uh, where the episodes will just be there to listen to like at your leisure or the podcast where we'll just drop a new episode into your feed every week over the coming weeks. Very cool. So yeah. cool, man. It's, it's, I, I, I gotta say, I genuinely, you, you guys were so helpful with abomination, but I, I still, to this day, like have people contact say, Oh, you know, I discovered you through abomination and when you were on kind of funny promoting it. So to have me back and have an opportunity to do this again, I'm actually very grateful. I've been doing a lot of podcasts this week, trying to bang the drum because the nice thing about doing it this way is I, is I get to do it all myself, right? I get to control it. I get to own mm-hmm. it. No one can tell me what to do. The, the downside of that is I have to do it all myself, right? There's no marketing machine. There's no, like with Batman, DC are out there promoting it. If with Star Wars, Lucasfilm, you know, Disney would be out there promoting it. And you'd like, you, you, you go where they tell you, oh, you know, you, we're going to put you on a call with this person and that person. You're going to talk to Entertainment Weekly or whoever about, and they, but they set it Comic all up for you. Comicbook.com, home of Tim Getty. You're welcome. Um, but for this, like, it's just me. There's no like publicity, like publicity machine or anything. So it's really you just got me. us. It's 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 <laughs> you sorry, and me and a, ha- and a handful of other people that like literally will call them up and say, "Look, would you be interested in in covering this?" You know. And uh, again, I've been fortunate enough that that some people have said, "Yeah, we'll do an interview. Or we'll we'll run this, that, or the other." And like I said, I've been doing a lot of podcasts in the past week. The piece of advice that I got from friends of mine in the podcasting space was, if you've got a, po- a podcast to promote. The best way to do that is on other people's podcasts yep. because that you're reaching the audience it's who listens to podcast. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and true. so that I just did the Stephen King podcast earlier today. Whoa. Um, which I guess is a, a very popular pot. Like they actually got like Stephen King to go on it not too long ago. And uh, they asked me, I was very lucky. They asked me, what do you want to talk about? Like, what's your favorite Stephen King story? Oh, Stephen King piece of media of all time. And, you know, we'll let you know because they've done, they've done like 150 shows or whatever. I was like, well, I know what I want to talk about. I know what my all time favorite Stephen King thing is, but there's no way you haven't done it a million times. They're like, well, what is it? And I said, the jaunt. And they said, you know what? We've only done it like once or twice. You should come on and talk about it. So I got to talk about the jaunt for an hour and a half, which I, I don't know if you've ever read it, but it is the most fucked up Stephen King story. I have ever no, read in my I've life. I've never even heard of this before. <clears throat> You've never heard of it? No. Do you want me to do you want me to summarize it for you? Yeah, yes, please. Give, give me the give me the eye. So it's one of the it's one of the few stories that it, it's from his anthology, uh, one of the very first short story anthologies he ever did, a book called Skeleton Crew, which is just a collection of short stories. And that's where you'll find it. Um and it's one of the few times that Stephen King kind of dabbled like in science fiction, because it's set in the near future. And essentially, we've invented teleportation, right? And it's this thing called the jaunt. When you go, so when you teleport somewhere, you jaunt there. Mm-hmm. And essentially, what they what they've invented is is, is these these basically these portal gates. So you you walk through a gate in New York, you come out the other gate on Mars instantaneously, right? You you, you just zap there, and it's revolutionized the world, obviously. And this is how people travel everywhere these days. When you go to the airport, you don't get on a plane and take off. Everyone kind of sits down in their seats. But then they essentially kind of like shunt you through this giant gate and you come out the other side wherever your destination is, right? And it's this revolutionary technology. Um, but uh, you have to go through, you have to be knocked out to go through. And what happens is the kind of the quote unquote flight attendants before every jaunt go around with these like little gas masks and they knock everyone out so everyone can go through asleep. And the story's told from the point of view of this family. It's like a dad and a, and a mom and these two young children. And they're all moving to Mars to start a new life. And they're going to jaunt there, right? And they're just going instant, to instantaneously show up at the other end. And the kid is asking why they have to be knocked out, why they have to take the gas to go through the, through the jaunt. 
and the dad explains why that is by kind of summarizing how the jaunt was invented like and how it was discovered uh and there's this like this and the, the story kind of goes into flashback and it's telling the story of this scientist this kind of seth brundle kind of guy you know like seth brundle just invents teleportation like in his garage basically in the fly yeah. it's a similar thing this guy like invents the, the this, this these portal gates and he develops these gates and he puts his hand through the the entrance gate and like his hand comes out the other gate on the other side of the the warehouse right like mm -hmm. like and he can wiggle his fingers and it's like it's you can just you can basically pass all the intervening matter inst instantaneously and he pulls his hand out and it's oh wow it's amazing starts putting things through like you know just different items and objects and things and they all come out the other side and they're all fine it's like, okay can it work with living things he's like testing to see like what the limitations of the technology are and he gets some mice from the pet shop and puts a mouse through the mouse comes out the other side but it's all fucked up. Like it just looks it's got its red eyes. And it looks really weird. And it like staggers around a little bit and then just drops over dead. It's like, okay, that's a problem. There's something wrong with like, maybe, maybe it, maybe it can't do living things. If you remember, that was the problem with the fly, right? They couldn't, it couldn't teleport an organic thing. It couldn't understand the, the composition of it. And so the scientist continues to experiment with it. And he's like, what happens if I just put like the back end of the mouse through? And he puts like pushes its butt through and the butt comes out the other gate, wiggling its little feet, pulls it back through. And he's fine. And the mouse is fine. Turns it around and puts the head through. The head comes out the other side, comes back all fucked up and it dies immediately. He's like, something's going on here. So he starts knocking them. He tranquilizes the mice, knocks them out and they go through like unconscious. And when they wake up, they're fine. So it's, it's narrowing it down through a process of experience. Like you just, you just can't, you like, you're, you, you're, your brain, your conscious mind can't go through unless it's asleep. Gotcha. If you go through consciously, something really bad happens. And they don't understand why there is because the mice can't tell you what's going on. And so mm -hmm. they, they find some death row convict who's willing to subject himself to this experiment. And they say, look, if you go through the gate and you survive, you'll have a full pardon. And he walks through the gate. They build these human-sized gates out in the desert. And they, they, they're like 15 feet apart, right? And he walks through one gate and instantly comes out the other gate 15 feet away, right? But he's all fucked up. And his hair is like white and his eyes are all like red and he's like staggering around like he's gone crazy. And the only thing that he gets to say before he drops over dead is, it's eternity in there. And then he drops over dead. Oh. And basically what they figure out is if you go through while you're conscious, as far as anyone else is concerned, it happened instantaneously. But as far as you're concerned, your, 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 your mind, your conscious mind is just trapped in this formless void for billions of years, like longer than you could possibly fucking imagine, like long enough for your mind to basically eat itself a million times over, like the sunken place, right? But you're mm. stuck there for fucking however long you think it is, it's fucking longer than that. Ooh. And then, and so this is why you, but they figured out as long as you go through when you're knocked out, you're fine, right? Just take the gas. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. sure. And gas, so right? that's what I was told you. So and so that's the end of the story. That makes a lot of sense. Nick's always asking me to take the gas. Take the gas. That's the end of the story as the father tells it to the children, and they all take the gas and they all go through the gate. But when the father kind of wakes up from the gas on the other side, there's some kind of commotion going on. And to me, it's the most fucked up final page in anything Stephen King's ever written. And there's some kind of commotion turning. He turns around to like where his kids are, and like the flight attendants are like trying to hold this kid down. And basically, what you realize, and the kid looks all fucked up. He's got the gray hair. He's got the red eyes. He looks like he's aged like a million years, even though he's only like 10 years old. And he and basically what you realize is that he wanted to know what it was like. And he held his breath when he took the gas and went through consciously. 
And the last thing that he says before he rips his own eyeballs out is, it's longer than you think, Dad. And then he just rips his eyes out and dies. Jesus. And it's, for some reason, it's stuck, it's fucking stuck with me forever. The idea that, just that one line, it's longer than you think. That It's like that you could be stuck in this black, formless, set, like you, there's no body, there's just your conscious mind floating in this infinite yeah. void of nothing mm. for infinity minus one, essentially is what it is, right? You do eventually come out the other side, but it's as, as far as your mind is concerned, you're in there for billions of years. Oh, man, like it's God. something you can't even fucking comprehend. And for some reason, it's one of those ideas that is all I still lay awake at three o'clock in the morning sometimes fucking thinking about that shit. It's my favorite it. Stephen King story. It. That's cool. Man. So What's it in? Up. It's a short story cool. in the Skeleton and Crew. Skeleton Crew? Okay, yeah. I'll read okay. that now too. Yeah. I, I mean, I Here sympathize because being stuck in, a, in, in just a dark void, it's kind of like anytime Tim asked me to guess on any of our. <laughs> video game podcast <laughs> i feel like guys this is longer than that's I think. longer than you think as well right yeah <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this has been another episode of the kind of funny podcast Flat each and every week four why. sometimes five best friends gather on this table each coming to hang out with each other if you want to hang out with us go to patreon.com slash kind of funny where you can write in to be part of the show you can get the show ad free you can watch us record the show live and you can stick around for the post show where we have a Hagler family dispute to settle. Another one. Yeah, I'll tell you what. These two shouldn't have gotten married. It's pretty clear. Did we ever? We got definitive proof they weren't brother and sister, right? Yeah, they're married. Yeah, no, cool. they're married. Remember, and the, the little Greg Gollum sits on the corner of their bed when they sleep. <laughs> right. You remember Thank that? you. Okay, just yes. make sure you remember that. Uh, if you, you have no bucks to toss our way and don't want to see us ruin a marriage, no big deal. You can, of course, get the show for free. YouTube.com slash roosterteeth.com Podcast services around the globe. Of course, you can support us by using the Epic Creator Code. Kind of funny when you're buying anything on the Epic Game Store or when you're buying something maybe in that there Rocket League, Fortnite, and one day, I'm sure, Fall Guys, uh, when you're using uh, any of the things on any platform. It doesn't have to be the Epic Game Store. It could be PlayStation. It could be anything. Just do it there, okay? Good? Great? Mm-hmm. Grand. Uh, Gary Witta's newest project is Gundog. You can catch it live, twitch.tv slash Gary Witta, each and every Wednesday night for a brand new chapter. But of course, you can go to youtube.com slash Gary Witta and get them there. So send them a, a like and a subscribe and a, and a share and say, hey, Shannon, you find Shannon on Twitter and say, hey, Shannon, great, great work. It's one of one of my favorite things about the response to it is everyone really is like, man, Shannon's so good. I mean, it's like no surprise to any of us that are like seen her stuff before, but like she really is so good in this. And yeah, if if you want the podcast version, just gun dog in any podcast engine, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, it'll it'll pop right up. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a post show to do about the Hagglers, but until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. <laughs>